Well, good morning, church. It was good to be back with you all after a whirlwind trip up to the northeast and back down again, and uh, just a blessing uh, to be back. So uh, excited to bring uh, the word today to you, uh, but I wanted to mention a couple things before I begin. First of all, I just wanted to thank this body for how uh, you all stepped up uh, with dealing with uh, Lola and Chuck, and when Chuck passed, what an incredible uh, witness it was to our body, how so many volunteers stepped up and uh, helped with that funeral and uh, just gave a Chuck a wonderful memorial service and uh, just a testament to our body, how uh, we love each other and uh, we, we take care of each other, and I just loved to see it, uh, a real blessing that that, that happened. Uh, so. Uh, thank you for all that you did, and we know Chuck is with the Lord now, and uh, the family, of course, will have grief, but uh, we're, we're here for them, and that's what the body of Christ does. Another thing I wanted to mention is that I believe that Steve and Laura will be leaving us after this Sunday. Is that right, Steve? This is their last Sunday. Uh, Steve is going to take uh, a church in Hydro, Oklahoma, uh, and it's uh, a long dream of his, and a uh, they're going to be incredibly blessed. So after the service, we're going to ask Steve and Laura to come up, and we're going to lay hands on them, something that we're going to be doing a little bit too much of for my liking uh, lately and in recent weeks. But uh, we're going to send them off and give them a grace redeemer goodbye and have them uh, go in the name of the Lord as, as they go off to their new ministry, and we're very excited for them. Uh, so uh, good things happening, uh, good things happening. We will miss them, and We'll miss others who are going to leave from us, but we know that they're going to do the Lord's work in, in other parts of the world, and uh, we hold people loosely. We let God do with them what they will, what God will, and uh, we just ask God's blessing on it. And so uh, that's where we are today. And of course, we'll be sending off our college students uh, today, and so uh, a couple more people who will be leaving us, Kara and Brian, will be going off to college for the first time, and a couple of others will be returning to college, and uh, Kara and Brian have not only been uh, just attenders of our church, they've been servants in our church. Brian, as you know, on the drums quite frequently, and Kara has been up here singing uh, often and helping back in the nursery and wherever she helps. And so uh, it's not just that, that we're seeing them go, they're going to leave a hole here of service that uh, needs to be filled as well. Uh, so we just love to see that from our young people, that they're not just attending church, they're actually servants of the Lord. And so um, we're going to send them off to college today. Uh, as along, as, uh, along with some of the other people who will be returning to college, and we're just going to give them a good send-off today. So today we're going to be taking a break from our study in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll return to that next week. And this week we're going to do a, a, a sermon uh, which basically will take excerpts of Second Timothy uh, and apply it to uh, their college experience. And, and so uh, Laura was interested in how I could take those first two verses and make a sermon out of it. Well, I cheated. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to skim the whole book of 2 Timothy today, and we're going to do a, a, a lesson that I'm calling uh, Knowledge for College. So uh, Karen and Kara and Brian will be leaving for the first time, and so they need some words of encouragement and some words of hope, uh, because uh, when you go off to college, you face different kinds of adversity, and you're going to have to deal with those things for the first time uh, on your own, uh, not living in your parents' house. And uh, when you do that, you're going to face pressure and adversity from different directions. You're going to face uh, time pressure. There's a lot of pressure uh, in dealing with time. How do you balance your studies uh, and your faith and your work and your extracurricular activities? Uh, you'll have peer pressure from friends who want to uh, kind of make you relax your faith a little bit so you'll go have this kind of fun that they want you to have over here and you'll, you'll face that kind of pressure for them 
uh, from them. They'll want you to go to the party when you know you should be holed up in the library because you have a big bio or calculus exam or something coming up. And so uh, you'll face that kind of pressure. You're going to face pressure from professors and from other students who are going to challenge your faith in ways that you have not yet heard before. And they may be antagonistic to your faith. And you're going to hear things perhaps that you haven't heard before. Uh, they'll question the things you've always believed in. And of course, you're going to have pressure from your parents. They're going to want you to do well in school and uh, ask you lots of times if you've joined a church yet and if you have uh, joined some Christian organization and uh, if you're spending time in the Word. And, and they'll pressure you to come home as often as you can and don't forget to text. So those things are, are going to happen frequently when you go. Uh, so... Uh, there's a lot of things and a lot of pressure. And I hope as I deliver this message that it's not just for college kids. Uh, there's a lot that we can learn from 2 Timothy because all of us will face adversity and pressure of many kinds, uh, like Paul was facing in prison and like Timothy was facing in the church that he was leading as he was uh, receiving this letter. So for you college people, uh, not just Brian and Kara, but all of you who are returning to college you know already that college can be the most amazing time of your life, and you're free from the constraints of living under your parents' roof and under the authority of your parents' rule, and you're free to make your own decisions, and you're free to stay out as late as you want, and you're free to go eat whatever kind of junk food you feel like without any parent telling you not to do that. Uh, and so you'll have tons of opportunities to do all kinds of different things in college that you may not have had before because a college offers so many different opportunities of, of things that there are to do. And so uh, it's just a great time of discovery uh, for you. Uh, but there are also a lot of pitfalls to avoid. And so that's uh, what I want to talk to you about today, some of the pitfalls to avoid, the things not to do, and the things that you ought to do. Now, I'm not delusional enough to think that I can stand up here and in 30 minutes prepare you for every single thing that you're going to encounter and save you from everything that you might experience uh, during your college years. Uh, but I do have a couple of things that I want to say to you. Uh, your parents have trained you well, and I pray that you are ready. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 is a verse that you all uh, probably know very well. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from that. And so we pray that your parents have done a good job and they've given you the firm foundation that you all need as you return back to college. And since you have that firm foundation, all you need to do now is to walk in it, uh, just to continue on the path that your parents and hopefully your church has started you on, and you remain in it. Don't abandon the things you've been taught. And most importantly, you college students, you have to claim faith in Jesus Christ as your own. When you go off to college... Your parents' faith cannot be your faith anymore. Faith in Jesus Christ has to be your own faith, exclusive of what your parents believe. You have to own that faith for your own. And when you're out on your own your first time and you're experiencing different kinds of adversity that will come upon you, your faith has to be your own faith, and then it will be faith or effective and useful for you, and you'll exercise your own faith muscles. Now, 2 Timothy, uh, the letter that I chose to, to give this message from, this is the last letter that Paul wrote that is preserved for us in the Bible. Uh, and it was written uh, while Paul was in prison in Rome. And Rome is all the way up here in this top corner of the map. And he wrote this letter in about 67, 60, uh, 66 or 67 AD. And he was in prison at the time. 
And Nero was the emperor of Rome at that time. And, and by that time, uh, Nero was an enemy of Christianity. He was killing Christians with uh, frequency. And Paul knew that he was going to be executed fairly soon. And so Paul uh, had left his uh, friend and his protege, Timothy, in this church in Ephesus, which is all the way over here, quite a long way away. And he wrote this letter to Timothy to encourage Timothy to continue on uh, in the faith. Uh, Timothy was facing all kinds of pressure from this congregation. We get that from the context of reading uh, 1 and 2 Timothy. And it seems that Timothy uh, was really discouraged and he was tempted to quit because of all of the adversity and the difficulty that he was facing from his congregation. But Paul encouraged Timothy, don't quit, continue on, stay in the faith uh, that you have been taught. And so I skimmed this letter of 2 Timothy and I dug out six pearls of wisdom uh, that I want to share with you that Paul uh, shared with Timothy that should apply to your lives as you leave for college. And so uh, the first one is this. Uh, remember the foundation of your faith. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. So what we see here uh, early on from Timothy is that uh, he comes from a long line of faith. Timothy was probably in his 20s or 30s, early 30s, when he received this letter. Uh, and as we'll see in the next few verses, he was probably feeling some shame about the, where Paul was. Paul was in prison at this time. And so that caused him some embarrassment, some uh, discouragement, and he may have been thinking about walking away from the faith. And Paul reminded him that he came from a long legacy of godly people. His faith was instilled in him by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And so that made Timothy a third-generation Christian. And when you think about it, 66, 67 AD, uh, that's about all there was, was third-generation Christians, because Christianity was only 30 years old, right, since the death of Jesus Christ. So uh, Timothy came from a godly home, and he had the longest Christian legacy that you could have. Now, you college students, one of the greatest gifts that you have been given is that you come from a godly home with parents who love each other and who love the Lord. Uh, and when you get to college, you're going to find that that's not always the case with other people. You're going to meet people who don't have that kind of home life that you have, people who haven't uh, come from a long line of Christian legacy. Uh, you're going to meet people whose fathers may have been gone for 20 years, people who may not even know their fathers. They may have deserted the family or, or their mothers even. That happens from time to time too. You're going to meet people who have never heard the name of Jesus, or if they've heard it, they have no idea who he is or why we believe in him. Uh, they will have never heard the gospel. They will not know the words that you know so well. Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. That will be nonsense to them, and they may, have, they may hear it for, for the very first time uh, when, when they get to college. You're going to meet atheists. You'll meet people who have no belief in God whatsoever. You'll meet pantheists, people who believe that God is the tree and God is the sun and God is the moon. Uh, you'll meet all kinds of people like that. You'll meet people who think that everybody goes to heaven. Those are called universalists. Uh, you'll meet all different kinds of people from all different kinds of walks of life. 
And these people, they don't have a strong foundation in their faith because they've never learned the faith. Uh, and they have never thought about faith deeply, and they've never wrestled with the difficult questions of faith. But you have. You've been taught this since you were young uh, by your parents and by your church. Uh, so don't forget the things that you have been taught. Remember the foundation of your faith. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Live your faith boldly. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Well, those verses are absolutely loaded uh, with stuff. Uh, but I only want to focus on one thing, and that thing is I know that you young people all have faith, but I want you to, to live out that faith boldly, to fan into a flame the gift of faith that you have received uh, from an early age, and to exercise the spiritual gifts that God has given you. When a fire is dying, we, we fan it, right, with oxygen, because the oxygen feeds that flame, and Timothy's faith may not have been dying, but it seemed like it could use a little help. And so Paul was encouraging him, trying to get him to fan that gift uh, into fire again. Uh, so when I left for college uh, many years ago, I had already let the fire of faith die in my life. And I can tell you that it's a lot easier to let God uh, refresh or rekindle a, a flame that is still burning, however small than it is to start a fire brand new. For, for me, God took 20 plus years uh, to start that fire again in my life. And I can tell you that I do not want that to happen to you, uh, you people who are going to college and going to be influenced by what you hear in college. Uh, so don't let your, let your fire die. Continue to fan that flame uh, and continue to exercise your spiritual gifts. Read the Bible, pray, uh, talk to other Christians, find a Bible-teaching church. Realize that the Holy Spirit is not timid, and he does not want you to be timid about your faith either. Uh, so be bold, even if you are ridiculed uh, for your faith. It's much better to be ridiculed by people, by other students, by professors, uh, than to uh, be, uh, suffer shame for Christ and have uh, Christ say to you one day, uh, I wish you had stood up for me. I wish you had spoken a little more uh, in my favor. So you, you want to always keep that uh, gift flamed. Now, Timothy was probably very ashamed of Paul and his state of being in prison where he was. Just imagine like, how embarrassing it would be if your father was in prison. Now, Timothy's real father wasn't in prison, but Timothy's real father was an unbeliever, and he was a Gentile, and that's why he's not mentioned in uh, the legacy of faith that Paul wrote when he was talking about Lois and Eunice. So his father isn't mentioned. His father's an unbeliever, and now Paul, his believing uh, spiritual father, is locked up in prison. 
And so that's an embarrassment to him. Uh, and so Timothy is probably thinking, well, if this is faith, and if this is what my faith gets me, well, I'm not sure I want any part of this. And so Paul is writing to encourage him, you have to keep on. Uh, don't be timid. Don't grow lukewarm. Uh, Paul told him not to be ashamed of him or his uh, spiritual suffering that he might have in Christ, but rather to be bold and to be prepared to suffer with uh, Paul as a fellow Christian rather than abandoning the faith. And then in verses 9 and 10, uh, he talks about the gospel. Uh, sometimes when you're really in a bad place, when you're really discouraged, you just need somebody to remind you of what Jesus did for you. Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And when we're going through hard times, uh, sometimes it's really nice just to hear that again and realize that your faith uh, is worth fighting for. It's worth owning for yourself. You know, there have been millions of Christian martyrs throughout the centuries, and there have been millions of others who have suffered for Christ who have not been killed, and that's so that we might know and that we might believe the gospel today. We are their legacy. We Christians come from a long line of suffering, and we will continue to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But Paul reminded Timothy that there is no shame in identifying with Jesus Christ and suffering for that name. There is only hope in the glory that is to come. So I pray uh, for you who are beginning to college or you who are returning to college that you just remember uh, that, that uh, you need to fan that flame, continue to fan the flame uh, of your faith. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, gifts there are countless uh, spiritual gifts inventories online that you can take, or you can ask your family and you can ask your friends, what do you see in me? What are my spiritual gifts? Uh, and they will help you uh, to know what they are. Uh, so you can uh, know what your spiritual gifts are, and you can use them. And when people uh, mock you for your faith, well, remember that they mocked Jesus too. Don't shrink back. So live your faith boldly. Here's the third one. Choose your friends wisely. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people." So one of the great benefits uh, that you have received uh, by living at home is that you have been shielded by your parents from these kinds of people for the most part. Uh, they, they protect you and they keep you away from uh, the world that can be pretty scary out there. But, but these people that Paul described here, these people are out there. They are all over the place in the world and you are going to meet them. So have nothing to do with those kinds of people. They will drag you down. They will tear you away from the faith. The Bible says a bad company corrupts good morals. So we don't dip our feet in the pool that they are dipping their feet in because we're going to be affected by that. Uh, we, we don't want to befriend that kind of person. But as important as that is, we have to avoid becoming that kind of person as well. Uh, you know, College is interesting. Uh, college is a time where you can be humbled greatly. Uh, that can happen to you. There, you may fail a test, and you've never failed a test in your life. Uh, you may get a paperback that you thought was awesome, and it has more red ink on it when you get it back than the black ink that you submitted when you handed that paper in. 
uh, you may, when those things happen, you may feel really discouraged and you may question yourself. Uh, do I belong here? Uh, these people are all smarter than I am and, and I feel out of place. Well, I don't want you to feel that way. Uh, college is a time when you might be humbled a little bit, but you would not have been accepted to that college if you did not belong. You do belong. But sometimes uh, God gives us a little humbling because we need it, and it's okay to be humbled. Uh, but it's not okay to, to let those humblings define us, define who we are. Uh, we do belong, and, and Jesus wants us there. And, and that's why you're at the college you're at. God has led you to this moment in your life. So college can humble you, but the other thing that can happen is that uh, you can also become really proud. Uh, if you succeed above your peers, uh, if your grades are better than everybody in the class, if you get the internship that everyone else wanted, uh, you can become real proud of that. You can become real arrogant about that, and you can become this kind of person that Paul is talking about. It's pride. Pride is the source of all of these things, and uh, pride is the source of so much evil in the world, and it, it's pride that won't allow us to admit that we are wrong. It's pride that won't allow us to say that we're sorry. It's pride that won't allow us to say that, you know, I don't know everything there is to know, and there are people out there who can teach me something, uh, but I'm too proud to learn from them. Uh, these kinds of things happen when we, when we uh, are proud people, and so we have to avoid pride. If it turns out that we are at the top of the heap in our class, uh, don't allow that to be a source of pride, and don't let that change you. Pride causes most of this entire laundry list that Paul was talking about here uh, that, that Paul told Timothy to avoid. Uh, many people that you meet in college uh, will become proud and boastful, and you want to avoid them. Uh, and it can also happen to you. You can become proud and boastful if you don't cultivate an attitude of humility. That's very important. So be humble and choose your friends wisely in that regard. But another thing that can happen when you get to college is something that happened to me. Uh, you can lose all self-control. Uh, for the first time when you're outside of your parents' home, uh, you might try all different kinds of things that can get you in a lot of trouble. Some people go wild. They experiment with drugs and alcohol and sex and all kinds of things that are going to get them in trouble that are new to them because they've been living under their parents' roofs uh, for such a long time. Uh, and that's what Paul was talking about in this second part of the list when he's talking about being without self-control, not lovers of good, uh, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, I saw a statistic recently, uh, you college kids, this should be alarming to you, that 70% of high school kids who go into college uh, who call themselves Christians will abandon their faith in college. That is a staggering Statistics, 70% of those college kids will do that. They might become outright atheists. Uh, they might become people who believe that Christianity is too exclusive and that all roads should lead to heaven. And if God is a God of love, well then, uh, surely he wouldn't send people to hell. Uh, that's what Paul meant when he said they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They don't understand who Jesus is, why he died on the cross, and the significance of what that means for you and for me. Uh, so this will happen to a lot of, of Christians entering college, 70% if the statistic is to be believed. And one way to guard against that for yourself uh, is to watch yourself for signs of pride and arrogance that will harden your heart and will turn you away from Jesus Christ. And another way to avoid it is to look for that characteristic in others and avoid that too. 
Uh, so if you choose friends who have those qualities, you'll probably have those qualities develop in you too. If you choose godly friends, humble friends, that will rub off on you as well. So choose your friends wisely. That's the third thing. Now the fourth thing, find a mentor. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now, when we studied Acts, we read all about what happened to Paul in uh, Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, how he was stoned and left for dead and how he was persecuted everywhere he went. And Paul told Timothy all about these things. And Timothy knew all about these things from Paul because Paul was Timothy's mentor. Paul spent time with Timothy. Uh, Paul taught Timothy the scriptures. Paul served as his example to Timothy so Timothy would learn how a Christian lives his life. And from Paul, Timothy learned how to teach. He learned how to live with purpose, how to love others uh, as Paul loved other people. We all need mentors. It's not just you young people. I need to be mentored. Everybody in here needs to be mentored. There is somebody uh, that knows more about life as a Christian than I know. And everybody in here would say the same thing. So there you always need to be looking for somebody who has been walking in the faith longer than you have, who has the ability to help you in things that you don't know already and experiences that you haven't had yet. And you're going to suffer hardships and you're going to find people who are in college who have suffered the same thing only last week, in fact, and they'll be able to help you if you're willing to look for people like that. So in college, you need to find yourself a godly mentor who will pour into you the way Paul poured into Timothy. You need somebody who's going to tell it to you straight, even though it may not be exactly what you want to hear. Now, we parents have poured into you for 18 years now, and I know that you are sick of our voices. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's after all these years, after all this time pouring into you, We've told you what we can tell you at this point, and uh, you need to hear it from somebody else now. And so that's why I'm encouraging you to seek a mentor who can, who can hear it. You've learned to tune us out. We can see it happening. We can see the off switch uh, being hit and, and the zone, and, and we know that you're not listening anymore. And uh, so we have to recognize that, and we encourage you then to find somebody else who you can hear this uh, mentor, uh, to, to have be a mentor for you. And when you get to college, no matter what college you're going to, there will be godly men and women there. There will be uh, even students who are godly, who have walked in your shoes, who have gone before you, and have experienced what you're about to experience. And I can tell you that they will be absolutely honored if you were to ask them to be a mentor to you. There is no greater compliment that you can give to a Christian than to say, you know, I see the way you walk in times of adversity, and I can see that uh, this is, can't be easy for you to live out this Christian life uh, in the face of uh, a lot of liberal academia, but I love to watch the way you walk in your faith, and I would be honored if you would be my mentor. Well, there's no greater compliment that you can give to a Christian than that, that some young person sees the way that you are walking and, and uh, is interested in learning from you. Uh, so I, I just want you to trust me on that. Find yourself a Christian mentor. He's going to be, he or she will be older than you, uh, will be of the same gender as you, have real life experience, help you with your problems, give you good advice, and keep you on the path that God has for you. 
Your mentor will be a different voice from your parents, which I know that you will appreciate. And they will speak truth into your life. And they'll give you a place of community that you can have without fear of judgment or fear of punishment or any other kind of reprisal. A mentor is going to promote spiritual growth in your life. Uh, and they're going to hold you accountable and encourage you uh, when you need it. And a mentor will be there in times of crisis and help you when you're about to come up against something that they have experienced before. And if you play your cards right, they'll write you a really nice letter of recommendation that you can use to get into graduate school or get your first job. So you can't overestimate the value of a godly mentor. Find one. And when you're old enough, be one to somebody else who will need a godly mentor when it's your turn. So that's the fourth thing. Find a godly mentor. The fifth thing, don't neglect the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the Bible has changed my life. I found Jesus Christ in the Bible. And every person sitting here would say the same thing. The Bible has changed all of our lives because we found Jesus Christ there. Uh, you young people, you would not be the person that you are without the Bible's influence in your life to date. And more importantly, you will not be the person that God wants you to become if you go to college and you neglect it. And there are three reasons for that that I see uh, in these verses. The first one is this, that the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. We see that in verse 15. In college, you are going to be asked to read a mountain of books, uh, more books than you have ever imagined reading in your entire life. And you're going to look at these books, you're going to see that syllabus, and you're going to say, who can read all of these books? And then you're going to start looking for assignments that you can skim or assignments that you can skip altogether. Uh, I've been there. I did that. Uh, what I want you to do is to not skip the Bible. Don't neglect that reading. Make that assigned reading every day, even if it's only one single chapter of the Bible, because the Bible will make you wise unto salvation. Jesus said, What good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man exchange for his soul? And of course, the answer is nothing. So I want you to value your education. Your education is very important, but don't overvalue your education to the point that you neglect reading the Bible and you lose your own salvation over it. The most important thing is the uh, relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Uh, so you keep it by staying in the word and staying in prayer. And prayer is you talking to God and God talks to you through his word. So the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. Second, the Bible is God-breathed. <clears throat> the word for God-breathed is theopneustos. Theo means God, panuma means breath. So together, it's God-breathed. When you hear that the Bible is inspired, that's what it means. It's God-breathed. God breathed out the very words of uh, the Bible. And God speaks to us through his word. The Bible teaches us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, and it trains us uh, in righteousness because it is the word of God. And if it wasn't, it would not be valuable for those things. So 
The Bible is God-breathed. And finally, the third reason why we shouldn't neglect the Bible is that the Scriptures will equip you for every good work. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's handiwork created by Christ, or in Christ Jesus to do good works which God, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you look at these two verses together, you see that God is preparing good works for us to do on the one hand. And on the other hand, in verse 17, it says that the scriptures will prepare you for every good work. So God's preparing the work and he's preparing you for the work. And so if you don't neglect the Bible, you'll be prepared for the work that God has for you to do. And God has a plan for your life and staying in the word and if, if staying in the word and if, and if praying is your priority, you're going to stay on the path that God has for you. So don't neglect the Bible. And the sixth thing is this. View your life from the perspective of heaven. Paul wrote, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know, the biggest thing that awaits for you college students is not the honor roll, it's not the big job, it's not the fancy car, it's not the really nice house, it's not the exotic vacations. The biggest thing that awaits you is heaven. That's what we're all longing for. All those other things are just steps along the way. When I was your age and in your shoes, I hadn't really suffered any real adversity yet. Uh, nothing really bad had happened to me, and I thought that life was just a straight line from where I was to where I wanted to be, and I would just have to walk that line, and I would get there. Well, I have since learned, as many of you have, that, co that life is anything but a straight line, right? Life is full of zigzags and twists and turns and unexpected things that will come your way, uh, many unplanned and inconvenient things will happen to you in life. Your life will not go exactly as you plan. I can guarantee you that. But remember from our study in Acts how God is sovereign over all these things. You remember when, when Paul wanted to go uh, to Rome so that he could be encouraged and encourage those people in Rome. He planned to go there, but first he wanted to go to Jerusalem. And when he went to Jerusalem, he got arrested. And he ended up going to Rome, but he ended up going to Rome in chains, Certainly not what he had planned, but yet he submitted to God and let God have his way with him, and God used him for what he had planned for him. So Paul's faith never wavered, and that's because he wasn't worried about his own life. He wasn't looking at his own life from an earthly perspective saying, uh, well, I can't, I can't figure out why I'm here. He said, God, whatever it is that is your will, whatever reason it is that you have me in this situation, I'm going to use it for God's glory. He was looking at life from a heavenly perspective. So when things don't go exactly as you had planned in college or after college, when you fail a test, when you don't get the job you wanted, uh, when, you're, when you don't get the promotion you deserved, when, you, uh, when the girl you wanted to date or the boy you wanted to date says no and goes and dates someone else, uh, just remember to look at life from an, uh, a heavenly perspective. Life is so short compared to eternity. So continue to pursue God with all of your might. Paul said at the end of his life, he fought the good fight, he finished the race, he kept the faith, and he did all these things because he did not insist on keeping control of his own life. He submitted his own life to God and allowed God to use him the way God wanted to use him. And at the end of Paul's life, he could confidently say, 
that he would be rewarded with the crown of righteousness. So for you young people, don't allow these circumstances, these difficulties that you encounter to derail your life all your, or your faith. Just look at them from a heavenly perspective. The right question when your life goes off the rails a little bit or when things don't happen quite like you planned uh, is not, the question is not, why me, God, or how long, God? Uh, the right question to ask, the, the questions that somebody who is looking at life from a heavenly perspective will ask is, what might God be trying to teach me through this adversity so that I might become more like Christ? How can God use my failure to help me grow spiritually? How can I help others uh, with the difficult things that they're about to undergo because of the things that I am now uh, suffering through? That's what somebody who's looking at life from a heavenly perspective asks. So don't let earthly success or earthly failure uh, keep you from looking at life from a heavenly perspective. Now, a word to us parents. Parents, it is so hard to let our kids go after raising them since they were born. Carl and Kathy, this is the sixth child you are going to send off to college. You should be up here talking. I don't know what I'm doing up here. <laughs> it is an incredible blessing, I imagine, to send, in your, send your sixth one off. I'm about to send my sex, second one off, and it's just incredible. You know, we're all just so proud of our kids, and they've done such a great job to get to where they are today. Uh, for us, Friday is going to be a really bittersweet day as we uh, take Brian. We're going to drop him off at college, and uh, we will officially be empty nesters. Allie goes back on Tuesday. Uh, so we're going, to be, uh, we're going to have a house that's empty of kids for the first time, and uh, we're going to miss our kids so much. And for Brian, uh, we're just so excited to see what God does in his life, just like we're so proud of Allie and have been so uh, amazed to see what God has done in her life uh, over these past two years. It's been amazing to watch. Well, here's what I've learned so far. Our kids are adults now, and uh, you parents, if you haven't noticed, our kids have been fighting for their independence for us from a, for a couple of years now. Uh, that's what the tension in the house is all about. Uh, it's time for them to break free, and so we need to give them room to grow. Uh, we need to allow them the freedom to succeed and the freedom to fail. We need to respect their decisions without comment or judgment uh, even if we disagree with them, as long as they're not hurting themselves or doing something that's really going to endanger their walk with God. We have to allow them to have their own opinions, uh, even if we disagree with those opinions, without shouting them down. And I think that if we do that, they're going to reward us by drawing closer to us again as we learn Stop crying. To, to respect them as peers. <laughs> You're going to get me. before. <laughs> we have to learn. <clears throat> they will reward us for that by drawing closer to us again uh, as we learn to respect them as peers rather than badgering them with advice and, and criticism and questions. Uh, Karen and Brian, uh, Kara and Brian, uh, we love you, and we are so proud of you, and we just can't wait to see uh, what God is going to do in your life. You belong to our church, and we give you our blessing, and we promise we promise to give you whatever help we can whenever you need it. Whenever you call us, whenever you raise your hand and say, I'm struggling with something, we just want you to know 
that this is your church family, and we love you, and we will always, always be here for you, and you are welcome here, and you are loved. You are our family forever. Amen. Lord God, we lift up Brian and Kara today. Lord, as parents, we will miss them desperately. We pray your protection over them, Lord. Please keep them safe. Please keep them on the path that you have for them. Lord, we just pray your blessing on them. We pray that as parents, we would give them the freedom that they need to grow and flourish as young adults. We pray that they would continue to follow you and walk in your path and that they would remember the things that they have been taught when they were young. Lord, we pray that they would always know that they, how loved they are in this church and by their own families. And Lord, we just ask that you would protect them and, and let them go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.